We find ourselves in a strange room carved into a geode of diamonds. A woman, River Song, comes stepping out of a vertical chamber. She gasps for air and screams, a phantom pain from some feeling before her body begins to glow and burn with regeneration energy. Then we see the form we know as Melissa Phoenix emerge. She looks ahead and finds only some words carved into the wall with a laser in front of her. Her own name, Melissa Phoenix. She glances to her side and sees, with horror, a dead body on the floor. A familiar one to her and to us. The body of the doctor. Everybody, I'm your game missy Riley Silverman, and we are about to wrap up the penultimate uh, arc of the of the fifth season of Game of Rassilon. Joining me, as always, is my partner in crime and the engineer of the show, Michael Nixon. Michael, hello. Hello, I'm back. I'm taking notes, and I'm I don't know. It's cool. Actually, it's quite warm. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a hot day. Uh, there's also the sun. The sun is starting to burn across this asteroid. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of of cool on a hot day, give it up for Ben Padden, who plays Stanley in sport mode. Hello, Ben. Hello, hello. Given the cliffhanger at the end of the previous episode, Stanley will probably be in this episode for 0. 0.17 seconds. Very exciting. <laughs> All right. And then, of course, we have Joe Caitley as Carrie. Carrie, welcome back. By the way, we, we didn't even talk in the last episode about Carrie returning to the TARDIS team. She's just kind of back and everything's chill, I guess. Things are just chill right now, Riley. Things yeah. are just chill. What happens yeah. on dates stay on dates. And That's true. The <laughs> listeners know by this point, but the rest of the TARDIS team doesn't. So yeah, we're going to keep that on the... <laughs> You're both dumb. You don't know stuff. <laughs> I, You're both I know how dumb I am. You're lovely people. You're very great. Uh, and of course, uh, last but possibly not least, our currently our doctor, Dan Peck. Hello, Dan. I had a vision of my own death. Have you? <laughs> I don't know. Let's play and find or out. Yeah. All right. So. You are on the surface of Melissa's asteroid as it careens towards the atmosphere of a nearby planet. Time is of the essence. There is star heat burning down behind you from this, the system's star that heats the planets and also burns asteroids as they fly by it. Also, in the distance, you know that you are about to hit the atmosphere for the planet that it is come creating towards. So you have a very limited amount of time to get from the ship that you are to the base camp destination that is the target of this particular race. And so, what do you do? Run! That's a good call, Doctor. You're very smart. Highly I want observant. everybody, I want everybody to make coordination and athletic roles for me, please. Oh, good God. All right, hey, cool. Hey, gang, everyone, hey. Who wants to hear some numbers? So my my uh, my coordination, you're gonna love this coordination. Nice number, sturdy, structurally sound. It is a one. That is a load bearing B. Very nice. Um, my athletics, you're gonna love this. It's a bubkiss. It is zero, no e one. Excellent. So I'm starting with a base of one. Great. Coordination ath ath athletics, right? Mm -hmm. Great. Okay. Cool. I rolled a nine total. I got a five and a three. Okay. I got a 12 with a one. Okay. I had a base of seven and I rolled a six and a five. So we're at a sweet 18 with a six. Okay. Carrie, because you rolled so well and you have a six, I'm going to give you the yes and 
of you are able to steady and save one of these two that just rolled poorly. <gasps> so Only which one what? do you save? Oh, you only no. have time to save one of them. So you see Stanley kind of stumble. Uh, and I will say there is lighter gravity, so it is easier to move than it would have been on Earth. So I will say that Stanley, even though you know, you're know you a little bit older and you have like a harder mobility, you have a little bit more equalized mobility because of the lack of gravity. So you don't have as much okay. weight bearing you down. It is still more difficult for you, and we will play that out uh, accurately. But it is, I mean, your, your stats still are different than Carrie's stats, for example. But I will say it's not like completely, I did think about that when I was building this, this particular uh, chaos. Um, so Stanley, I will say with your role, you kind of, I think you're not used to this gravity difference yet. And so you're kind of used to not having as much mobility as you want to have. And so maybe like you're unexpecting it to be as, it's almost like when you're suddenly in water and you don't plan to be, and you're like, wait, this isn't yeah. how I move around. It's that kind of vibe. So that happens with you. And you, I think what happens is you kind of stumble and you fall and the, the heat of the asteroid is coming closer to you. And like, you need to be picked up and moved for a moment or you will get hit by it. Um, doctor, I think your thing is that you go to take a step and you get hit by a piece of like debris that's coming off the asteroid because of all the things that are happening to it. Mm -hmm. And it knocks you. And so you're actually floating back. Your one is that you're floating backwards a little bit towards the, the heat zone. As I'm and floating, so I'm going to shout to Carrie, help Stanley. That, that was what I was going to answer with because that was my first thought was like, with the six, could I carry Stanley? Yeah. <laughs> um, like, it's totally yes. your decision, but that's just what the doctor is saying. At this yeah, point. no, I, I I absolutely hear you. I'm just concurring. The, the instinct inside was going to hop along. Okay, so Carrie, how do you, so what do you do? Do you just pick Stanley up and, and like straighten him or are you actually carrying him as you run like his hand? No, I, I definitely think that, well, not as a handbag. <laughs> Um, maybe like a duffel bag. <laughs> uh, not not quite fire. Like a rolly bag. You're dragging him behind you. Okay. Um. Uh, kind of piggyback ish. Um, okay. But maybe a little bit more of a secure grip on Stanley. Um. Don't know if Stanley would be yelling at the fiery inferno that almost got him. Yeah, gotta let him have okay. his hands free. <laughs> and Michael, go ahead and make those same coordination athletic rolls for all of your characters while we're still doing this. That way you can tell me. Uh, so uh, the people who are still surviving. So we've lost H264. So go ahead and make a group one for the Mainers. Do one for Dirk and one for Sebulbas for me, please. Thank you. I already um, did. Oh, Ooh. look at you. Oh, you're so, you knew you. Oh. Doctor, based on a role that I just did for Melissa, as you feel yourself pulling back, just about to hit this heat wall, you feel like a, a C-clamp, basically, um, a carabiner clip, because apparently Melissa's queer, uh, which is true, because River's <laughs> queer, and I also... All my characters are a little bit queer. This carabiner clip suddenly like latches onto part of your suit and you are now tethered to Melissa and she pulls you forward away from the hot zone and keeps going. And so Melissa just saved your life. Thank you. And I'm really sorry I wrecked your ship. It's okay. I... I, I kind of figured it was going to happen. Um, and then that's part of why we brought the escape plan. And then she keeps she keeps running because, like, the time is of the mm -hmm. essence. So, she, like, you're having a conversation while she is still Oh, running. absolutely. And we're still clipped together. Yeah. So, it's yeah, it's very it's 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 very that kind of thing. Ben, you have a raised hand question. Yeah, I figure if we're in the, um, the impossible planet Satan pit suits and we probably have in Helber radio, right? Yeah. Okay. And I'm going to say that in between this episode and the previous time you were in spacesuits, you have been properly trained on how to use the audio <laughs> <laughs> between the two helmets. Yeah, I'm good for that. I think I think not only do you know how to do it, but everybody else has figured out how to turn your radio back on in case yours gets turned off by accident. <laughs> the doctor has a remote control for your spacesuit. The, the audio. zoom on off button for Stanley. Like you're in a, yeah, the, the, the doctor is, is the host, and so the doctor <laughs> can control Stanley's <laughs> settings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Right. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, Michael, let's go through and let's let's resolve individually each of these. So tell me first, 
what happened with the Space Mainers? So the Space Mainers got a 13 with a 1. Okay. I'm going to say half the Space Mainers fell behind and got cooked up by by the, the, the heat coming in. Like, you actually can see in the distance. Like, I, it's kind of like parallel to you at this point like it's not it's because obviously they, they, they wouldn't be super far in front of you but the fire's behind them so i will say that i'll say one of them fell and got caught up in the heat the other one um got hit by a rock and knocked out of the gravitational pull of the asteroid and they are now drifting off into space in a very terrible way that's what happened there um now tell me what happened with sebulbus sebulbus got a 16 with a six God, Sebulbus is very good for a person who's literally from ancient Rome. It's the will so of Sebulbus, the gods. <laughs> Sebulbus' ship actually, con- because of the six, that you, you, said you, you said you got a six in that role, mm-hmm. right? Because of the six, I just thought of this, because I, I did not know what your ship was going to be until we started recording this, but your, your phalanx spaceship turns into almost like a lunar rover. Like the shields flip down and become wheels that are like, it becomes like a chariot lunar rover. Uh, It's very similar to the battle chariots that happened in death race 200, but it's, it's the ship and you are now, and like there are two phalanxes in the front that are functioning like horses and they are pulling Sebulbus across this, this landscape. Truly, And that's what happens there. That's, Riley, that's so rad. I want you to have a GM point. (laughs) That was off the cuff, too. Yeah, I know. That was was based on that rule. Thank you. I'm proud of that. All right. Thank you. Uh, And then finally, let me know what happened with Dirk Knifeblade. All right. So Dirk, um, he got a 10 with a 1. Okay. (laughs) Okay. This is great. So, okay. Dirk, we've established that Dirk Knifeblade's ship is a giant knife, right? So it... The way it lands in the planet is like it just like someone threw a knife and it's stuck into a wall. Like that's what it looks like. I read my mind. And Dirk yes. Knifeblade. Yeah. And so Dirk Knifeblade is standing out. He comes out of the the like the hilt and is on the ground. And then the the light from the star hits the side of the knife blade and it reflects down onto Dirk and it cooks him to death. Ah! <laughs> And I, I have to give credit to that death to Michael because when Michael got his role, he DM'd me, please can this happen? And it's so good. That I have it. So, as much as I would like to take credit for that one, I'm giving that to Michael because it was very funny. Live by the edge, die by the edge. It's just, you know. So now we are down to two competitors besides y'all, which is half the Space Mainers and uh, all of Sebulbas. So Sebulbas <laughs> is, is cooking. So, well, the Mainers. You all need to get cooking. moving. Anyway, sorry. Well, half of them were. Um, so y'all have a little bit of ground to make up because the ball was just moving pretty quickly. And Carrie is now carrying Stanley on her shoulders. Yep. Uh, Doctor and Melissa, you are tethered to each other and your ship has crashed. So what is your next move? I, w- I actually want to, sw- I want to, instead of me dictating all the action like I have been, I want to kind of hand the control back to some of y'all and and what do you want to do to resolve this situation are melissa and the doctor uh behind carrie and stanley roughly i would say that you are because of you drifting backwards right and then but you're but like you're catching up uh i turn to melissa and say uh quick push off of this rock uh so i i basically want us to find like a, a rock that's sticking off the ground and i want us to push off of it almost in the way that like uh um a track and field runner would push off of the starting line. And I basically want us to launch ourselves with our tether between us and sort of catch Stanley and Carrie as we go forward and sort of give us all like, it's basically wow. a flying group hug, but it's also to propel us. Faster. <laughs> okay. So normally I would have charged you a story point for that rock to be there, but then I'm going to give you a story point for the beauty of that weird jump rope tether group hug thing. So it's going to wash. So the rock is there. I, you don't get a story point because you're using the story point you just sure. got to make it happen. Ben, you wanted I, to add something? No, I just think it's great that we finally have like, you know how most like tabletop RPG cam- uh, campaigns, the groups have like a group name and we finally have team charged group hug. I think that's great <laughs> that we finally have that that moniker for our little, our little, little 
cavalcade of adventures here. Oh, that's cute. And Carrie, did you have anything? Uh, Cho, I saw you light up. Did you have anything you wanted to add? No, I was just laughing, and it just made me think of you know, um, anytime Batman or Robin uh, zip lines anybody. That's just what kind of kept <laughs> came into my mind. I was like, eh. <laughs> I'm gonna have all of us make a group check and i'm gonna have i have an idea in my head of like what the limit is i'm gonna see how you all do adding like what the average is gonna be everyone make a coordination and survival check oh boy oh uh, I don't know what I don't know what else you want me to to make yeah. it happen, Ben. I'm sorry. No, it's oh, fine. I'm it's sorry good, that the actually. asteroid chase scene is not optimized for the old milkman from the <laughs> north of the from like the suburbs of London. Uh, Luton actually, but Ooh, it's okay. I got um, a, I got a six. Uh, I got a, I got. Isn't Luton essentially a suburb? Anyway, I I got a I got a six on my roll, which is nice. So um, cool. I got fifteen for me. No magic numbers. Okay. I rolled a total of nine no magic numbers. Although, technically, my coordination is one, which is a magic number, but it's not on the die, so it doesn't count. Okay, mine is a 15 with a six, so... I've got a 12 with a six and a one, so they just kind of zero each other out. Um, I'm going to go ahead and let the six carry for this one because it's a success. So I, I kind of... The way I've been trying to do it, I don't always succeed on this, but the way I've been trying to do it is if it's already a success and there's a six, the six carries and if it's a failure with a one the one carries that's kind of what i'm trying to do with it Copy but that. we'll see how it goes but um so yeah i think that i think that stanley you are still struggling to kind of like find your footing and that's why you your nine carries but you are being lifted up by this rope and i got like i said a 15 with a six dan what did you get again 15 15 so you had a 15 i had a 15 but a yes and on mine carrie gets a yes stand on hers so i think what happens is Carrie and Melissa are almost like the kids on the end of the jump rope that are doing the twirling and the doctor and care and Stanley are kind of like in it and they almost like fling you forward and you, your momentum then pulls them behind you. And it's like this really oh. cool, like they basically made it like a slingshot, but then the slingshot pulls them with it once it's been fired. So it's very cool. Um, I like that a lot. Dan, that was such a genius idea. Oh, thank course. you. Um, Michael, I'm going to have you make for the Mainers a... I'm going to have you have to do uh, presence and... I'm going to say presence and athletics. This is like their, their attempt to keep themselves grounded and on the planet. And then also... Well, let's, let's resolve this first because these are different roles now. Presence and athletics for the Mainers. Let me know what you got. Uh, so I got a 13 with a 1. Great. Uh, we're down one more remainer. So there there were four originally, two are in space. Now one is one has stumbled. He, he twists his ankle and Oof. falls behind, and the sunlight catches up to him. So, ah! um, ah, Mainers do not know how to handle sunlight. It is, it is <laughs> so it is, that is a thing. So that goes just... forward. So... <laughs> I just want to throw it in here before we run out of time. They're in cable knit spacesuits. I just need that image in everybody's head. <laughs> Love it. The spacesuits are just big it. cable net, like ridiculous. Here's what happens. It's okay. If you're gonna if you're gonna make that a thing, That's, I want this. I, uh, I want to feed you. I'm this. keeping yeah. it in my head for the last one to die. All right. Yes. Um, keeping it in my head. Okay. So uh, good to note. Good to note. Thank you for for putting that in my brain. All right. And then for Sebaldus, I want you to make a. Um, Resolve and transport rule for me. Okay. Oh, that's much better. Let me do the math real quick. That is also a 13, but nothing fancy. Okay. He's puttering along. He's still kind of in the lead, but the party is catching up to him. All right. So now you have done this fling forward. I think you've you've mainly caught up to where you're not dragging way behind now. And it, it really, the, there's one space mainer and there's a Sebulbas who are just slightly ahead of you now. And you have done this like slingshot move. What's next? And I will say you kind of see off in the distance. There's sort of like this dome that's like coming. It's it's not unlike in um, Kill the Moon where there's a, that like weird base kind of thing. It's like that. You kind of see the edges of that in the distance, or or, or like in um, 
mission to mars that like weird alien chamber at the very end that's in this that's in the trailer and spoils the movie um that is kind of in the distance as well it's like a strange almost like a pyramid on mars but much 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 smaller it's it's like a shack on the top that lead that you can tell probably leads into the asteroid um i don't have anything if someone else wants to take the lead on this one because i kind of took over last round uh i i think stanley's kind of like physically exhausted by everything that's happened, so I don't, I don't have anything in mind for him at the moment. Okay, you know what? Then I think. Oh. Well, let's see, uh, Joe. Do you have anything? Yeah. No, I was just uh, like wondering what our, our, I guess, our surroundings are to get faster. Like, is 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 this like completely desolate? Area? Yeah, I mean, it's an asteroid surface. Yeah. It's there's not like plant growth or anything yeah. like that happening here. There's a lot. I mean, there are rocks that are breaking loose because of the heat that's hitting the surface of this thing, and it's like. And it's it's starting to get close to the atmosphere of this planet, so it is starting to destabilize because it it's it's being it's, there's a lot of pressure hitting it. So, okay, there I might th- be things coming loose. Dan, you had think, something. Yeah, I think that um, you know, despite the doctor having the setback, now that we're all back together and sees that maybe Stanley is uh, struggling a little bit, I I'm gonna I'm gonna detach the the carabiner and I'm gonna kind of provide like one-on-one support for Stanley. Like I saw that Carrie had been doing that, but I, I want to make sure that Carrie is unhindered. So I, I, I like, I, I, I got him. Uh, Stanley, throw your arm around my, my shoulder. And basically like, I want to make sure that you are not left behind under any circumstance. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Stanley, uh, Stanley gives you a, a 50% group hug. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. I'm going to have you both make for me a, uh, Presence and coordination check. Okay, base of five. Uh, I rolled an 11 with a one on one of the dice. Okay, I rolled a 13 with a one on one of the dice. Oh, no. Okay. I'm I'm happy to spend a story point or two or five to nudge up to a, 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 a less hurtful success. Okay, I can make that work. So, yeah, please spend those story points. And I was gonna roll, I was gonna roll for this, but instead I'm going to let it be the resolve of your story points. So, y- how many do you want me to spend? Uh, two, two is fine. Two, okay. Yeah. Um, Takes me down to ten. The doctor s- just said like he was not going to let Stanley alone. Like that was a big deal, but it doesn't connect. Like you, like you try to make it happen, but for some reason, like Stanley's weight combined with the gravity combined with like you trying to move forward. And you go to like pull him, and instead Stanley gets let go and is starting to drift outward into like breaking free of the gravity of the asteroid. And then weirdly, Melissa is right behind him and like stops him and uses her like gravity boots to pull both of them back down. And then she helps carry Stanley forward. So like, and then she like kind of hands him off to you the way you wanted it to be like more safely and gently. And you know that if Melissa had not been there in that moment, Stanley would have drifted off into space. But like somehow Melissa just like intuitively was there. Did, did I notice when she bumped him uh, in the ship to, to miss the, our engine? Let's retroactively right. have you make an awareness and intuition roll. Great. So that's history. I have rolled a record number of ones today. This is insane. <laughs> uh, it's fine. This is a pretty low stakes roll. Right, so I'd uh, say, I would say you didn't yeah, notice it. Yeah, 12 in total. But like, I, I'm... I'm going to throw these dice into a volcano, I think. <laughs> can, can, hey, Michael, can you take your dice over to Dan's? Yeah, Dan, um, we, should do, we should do a prisoner exchange of these dice, because this is not going great. Michael, I'm going to have you do rolls again for, let's start with Sebulbus and his machine, and let's have you do another, um, What I, I've been having you do resolve and transport, right? Mm-hmm. I think at this point, the rock is starting to break up enough that I think I'm going to have you do coordination and transport. And this is because you're on such a big vehicle. I think it's getting harder for you to maneuver. Even though you're faster because of it, it's getting harder for you to maneuver because you're so big. It's easier to be hit by pieces coming off. So give me your results of a, of a coordination and transport roll. Oh, I liked Sebulbus, but he got a nine with a one. <laughs> oh... Michael, this is your character, so I'm going to let you describe what happens here. 
Uh, and I you think... can choose to not kill him, but he's he's out of he's out of commission. That's what I'm saying. Big You've... rock, big rock, big rock, big rock, big rock, big rock, big rock. <laughs> We've met, right? Um, so uh, uh, Sebulbus, uh, he's he he gives a big like yeah on the the mechanical horses of the phalanx, uh, as the the light of the sun and the burning and all the etc. Very expensive CG is like chasing behind uh, his phalanx car thing. Uh, and it's at this point that Sebulbus makes a fatal mistake. He looks behind him. Uh, and as he turns around... And everyone turns into salt? Oh. No. Uh, <laughs> but as he turns around, uh, I'd mentioned before he had like a huge bulbous space helmet. And the light all just sort of like refla- refracts in the interior oh. of the helmet <laughs> and cooks his Oh ass. my gosh. Uh, and he just falls over. That is a, that is a poorly uh, designed helmet. All just, right. Just like Dang. a cooked, just a fully cooked Sebulbus. Yeah. He's, oh he's my gosh. Does he say anything as he dies? Uh, <laughs> yeah. He says, the light of Apollo. Yeah. And then, yeah, he's, uh, <laughs> he says, he says, yes. I'm sorry, uh, Michael. Just as a reminder, uh, Sebulbus is a is a Roman. So what does he say instead of Light of Apollo? Oh God, what is the what is the I don't I don't know off the top of my head. I think they're Hang both. On, I, think it's it a, I think it's I think it's Apollo. Apollo. I think that's one that's the same. Soul. It's soul. It's oh. soul. Uh, I'm a secret Greek, and then he melts. <laughs> it's hard to tell if we were speaking Latin anyway. It might be the same name. It's just different translations. I don't know. And then he dies. Um, <laughs> Uh, Did anyone get an opportunity to try to speak Latin at uh, Sebulbus? Uh, you heard Welsh? Because <laughs> I think that ship may have sailed. I uh, just wanted to put it out there. So Sebulbus is out of the picture, and Michael, that leaves us with only the one space mainer left. And I think that the space mainer, uh, we'll call him Doug, Doug arrives yeah. at the chamber first, but Ooh. it is a sealed door. And he is trying to get into the sealed door. So what does he do to try to get into it? And he's not the sealed door's heir. He's just at a sealed door. Oh. Yeah, Dan. I can see it on your face, Dan. I was like, I got to get there before Dan gets to it. Okay, so he's not going to speak, friend. All right, so um, <laughs> I think the space mainer, he's going to reach behind him and pull out his space uh, mainer pickaxe and sort of and just swing hard and pickaxe at the door. Okay. Let me go ahead and have you make a a strength and conflict roll. <laughs> oh man. Oh no. That's not good. <laughs> Wait, oh. is it not good for you or not good for everybody else? It's not good for Doug. Um he just got an eleven with <laughs> a one. Oh <laughs> yes, okay. The okay, ones, the that's ones a series wrap on Doug, It's happened. Yes, it's a series yeah. wrap on. Oh. <laughs> or should I say, it's a series unwrap on Doug. You all, in distance, see it happen from behind as you're coming up onto the chamber. You see this guy basically decompress his own suit by pulling the like <laughs> long, like it's like this. It's it's cable knit, but it was like a special like um like fiber optic mm-hmm. fiber blend cable. And mm. it comes loose and it causes like an implosion inside of him. And then he drifts off into space as well. You get to the chamber and you get to the door. And because Michael said this, I'm making it part of the game. Uh, Melissa walks up and says, friend, and the door opens. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you all walk into this chamber. Amazing. And Everybody else has been defeated. You get inside. The door shuts behind you. You're able to depressurize your suits and just be, you know, more camera hero friendly at this point with the helmets off if you want to. Um, you know, the actors don't want to wear suits all day. It's sweaty and hot. and It's not great. So you get inside this chamber and there's actually a little bit of gear set up in this chamber. And it looks like Melissa had had kind of cleared out this chamber with a squareness gun. And you see inside of it sort of this upright chamber that Doctor, you recognize from a previous adventure of yours. It was the day that you met Travis and Millie. You were on, you were in a facility run by Epoch Industries. And it was a device 
that was able to fully reprint living bodies. You remember this being the device that they were using to then place dead bodies in the past for Travis and Millie to fake their deaths to bring them to the Museum of Progress. You remember that when you were on the planet of Pelter 8-4, where you ran into both Melissa and River, that the item they were stealing was from Epoch MedTech. And Melissa walks up and she takes a flash drive from her pocket and or whatever the future's equivalent of a flash drive is. And you read the BBC Props Department, it's probably still it's a, a flash, flash drive. drive. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> it's not even USB C, it's just an old regular flash drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and it's a zip she disc. plugs it in. Yeah. <laughs> and Dan, go ahead and make an awareness and intuition roll for me. Okay. Uh, 14, and these are new dice, so there were no ones. 14. You have a flash of a memory of Melissa on the database the first time you met her in your current timeline. And she's keeping a secret from you. And you see the screen that she's looking at, and it was like some dummy screen about like some sort of drug or, or illness that she was pretending to be stealing something for. And you remember her using her left hand to do something else. And now we as the audience see that she has plugged a flash drive into the database and has downloaded information. And she puts this into the console. And she looks around the room and she says, this is the furthest that I've made it. And I I don't know what to do next. What what do you, what do you mean? And then I it hits and then it hits the doctor. Uh oh, I want to hear what the doctor thinks. The first time through is what? Or, or sorry, made it this time through and uh because canonically we rolled and I didn't see uh, her interfering with Stanley, but did see when she caught Stanley. She reaches forward with her hand and she caresses your temple and says a single word, contact. What happens next is a memory, but not yours, Melissa's. You see her eyes open here in this room, stepping out of that printing chamber. She wears the form of River Song until she regenerates, and then she notices the words on the wall and nods to herself. You realize the memory she's showing you is not the first time she remembers this happening. You see Melissa follow a course similar to the one you know. Helping River steal the printer from Epoch MedTech on Pelter 8-4, running into you on the database, only in this memory, you die in the database. Your attempt to figure out the rhythm of a completely patternless laser machine didn't work, and the lasers killed you. And a broken Melissa returns to this asteroid in her past, and she plugs the river biodata that she stole into the machine, and she begins its printing of the body before carving the words, Mel is a phoenix on the wall. She attaches herself to the machine, and not unlike a moment in your own past, she uses all of her remaining life force to burn herself away to once again resurrect her past self. She screams in pure, burning agony as she withers away in dust. You see a memory of her eyes open here in this room, stepping out of the printing chamber. She wears the form of River Song until she regenerates into Melissa Phoenix. And then she notices the words on the wall and nods to herself. You realize this memory she's showing you is not the first time she remembers this happening. You realize that she doesn't look behind her to where her own body once burned because she already saw it happen. She felt it happen and she leaves once again. You see a lot of memories come rushing in, years of them, lifetimes of them. Memories of timelines where Melissa tries other ways to get her MacGuffins. She's tried enlisting testimony in the distant future, 
Ganger scientists in Earth's past. But no matter which version she chooses, no matter which dangerous or safe undertaking she goes through, somehow some version of you would bumble his, her, or their way into it. For star-crossed lovers, you were never around when she ached for it, and yet always around when sometimes she wishes you weren't. And you just kept dying. Sometimes she told you everything. Sometimes she told you nothing. Sometimes you died helping her quest, and other times you died because she kept the truth from you. And yet, no matter how many times she witnessed you die, she always survived. Bloody, bruised, and beaten, she found herself crawling back to this machine in this cursed asteroid to burn herself back into her past, each time remembering every moment of the painful loop before because she would program herself into her own biodata to remember the path and fix her mistakes. She tries different times, different places, repeating some to see how much further she can get without losing you. And over time, over the loop, she finds the path that seems to get her the farthest. She finds the doctor that she can keep alive the longest. She still loses you a few times. On Pelter 8-4, a Pating's toxin kills you. You get shot by a thug in the Oaks Belt bar and your body is ejected into space. Your ship explodes coming into orbit of the asteroid because of a mistake Stanley made at the controls. And she crawls in an environmental suit back to the base. Stanley drifts loose of the asteroid and you go to stop him and drift off into space as well. But she's fixed that. She's made it work this time. And you remember a moment in the database so long ago when Melissa was drawn into a memory hole so traumatic and so painful that she went utterly catatonic. It was her memories of all the times that she had seen you die. But this time, she's brought you here. She's done the steps that she needed to take to keep you alive, and they've boiled down to these last moments. And she removes her hand from your temple, and she looks at you, and she says... This is the last one. But why? I've come, I've come back later each time because it takes longer and longer and I have to be more patient to keep you alive. But this is the last one. It's too close to the atmosphere now. I didn't... The first time, they hadn't even moved it yet. The next time, they hadn't. Eventually... I got back late enough that the pendulum circuit had grabbed this and flung it towards the planet, and my timeline got shorter and shorter each time. But now, if I wait any longer, I won't get off this rock alive. And she'll be gone, and I'll be gone. But I've managed to do it, finally. I've kept you alive as long as I can. And now you can get in your TARDIS, and you can escape. And I'll know that I saved you. And that's what matters to me. Because this rock protects the thing that matters the most to me in the universe. My doctor. How much time until we burn up? Moments. Great, then let's not waste any time. And I take the siege mode TARDIS out of my pocket. And I put it on the floor and I say, darling, if you wouldn't mind. No, doctor, you don't understand. I, this whole time it began because you burned up bringing me to life. This regeneration energy that I have, that I give back to her, came from you. You gave me your life, and I'm not letting you do that. The whole reason why I died in the library was to stop you from dying, and I'm not letting you do it now. And it's time that your husband returns the favor. And I am now holding the fob, the, the key fob, and I want to de-siege mode the TARDIS. Okay. Yeah, you do it. And... 
Yeah, and it, it returns to its size, and I, you know, basically I dash inside, and I snap my fingers, and the door opens, and uh, I jump over to the TARDIS controls and punch in whatever complicated sequence it is that would require this, but I want to... Uh, I would like to re retrieve our prize from the uh, the race in 200. Dan, you beautiful, beautiful man. I love you so much. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, you went right to it. I did not think this was good. Okay. Um, what's your plan? I would like to take that Time Lord regeneration energy, and I am going to save Melissa Phoenix. Whether, it, you know, whether it's uh, stopping the asteroid from burning up or just, you know getting her alive, et cetera, whatever it is, this, you know, uh, I look, the doctor would know what to do. Dan doesn't know what to do right yeah, now, uh, but no, I, love it. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. Um, okay. She's had, she's come back here with you multiple times. You remember this from her memory cycles, but every version of you that's come back with her before this had not yet been to ancient Rome. So this is the first time she's brought a doctor back here that has this item. And so this is the factor. And, I'm going to cut away real quick to one of the memories that she has with you. And it's, it's you standing in, it's you standing in your TARDIS with her and she's telling you everything. And this is you as the doctor right now. This is not a memory that you have. This is a memory that Melissa has of you in a different timeline. Got it. So I've tried everything and the last thing i'm going to do is save you and melissa phoenix will never be born she'll never exist the only memory of her will be as a woman who loved you more than you can possibly know i can't let you do this though i am not i'm not worth it i i the, the things that you and i have been together in whatever form whatever shape whatever time were not throwing it away just for me to go on in Uton. I've had to sit through this before. There has to be another way. There's always a way. The universe is too big for there not to be a way. Time is too big for there not to be a way. We will find this together. There has to be a way for it to work where neither of us remembers what's going to happen. Because if, it, if we know what's going to happen, it won't happen. The selfish part of me wants to remember this, but the even more selfish part of me will do anything to make sure that you stay. I, I, I think it's easier just to say this exposition-wise than it is to try, try to explain this in character. Past Melissa, the one who's about to come out of the chamber, can't know that you live and can't know that she lives because she has to continue and do her loop. So... If she knows the loop is solved, then it won't be the same loop again. So, like, she has, she has finally made the perfect loop that saves you and saves herself. But she can't know that or it won't happen. So, we have to trick her past self into thinking that you or she dies so that she will do it again without remembering this last loop. All right. And uh, I, you know, I think the, the, I've assembled the whole team here for this. Like, this is not in secret, but it's like... All right, so we can't know. Uh, Carrie, mm -hmm. uh, you still have uh, that uh, FX makeup that you uh, have in your in your in your PA kit? Uh, sure do. Have it strapped Great. right here. Grab that. Uh, uh, um, Stanley, I, I I'm gonna need your help to help. Uh, you help Melissa with whatever she needs, and uh, uh, Carrie and I are going to work together. And basically. We're going to make it look like the doctor is dead. You know, whether it, with FX makeup, you know, whatever it is, re reason-wise, I will take mm -hmm. some sort of, you know, Venusian potion or whatever to, you know, feign death until, you know, until my Romeo can wake me, you know, whatever. It's, you yeah. Know, some, yeah. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're going to, uh, we're going to make this happen uh, so that I can still survive and everyone lives. That's the goal. It's always the goal. Yeah. Everyone lives. So, Okay. You said that Melissa's working with, with Stanley. So Stanley, I think what you're doing with Melissa is helping her with like memories on this biodata disc that she's putting in. And she's basically- oh, yeah, that's Stanley's area of expertise. <laughs> like, like, it, 
you're just helping her with stuff. He's pointing at things and yeah. telling you what to do. Yeah. Like, click on this, click on that, or whatever. And yeah. go ahead and make for me a um, awareness and technology role for me. All right, so that's a base of... Ben, five. I get it. It's always weird to hang out with your friend's wife. I, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I uh, feel like Stanley uh, might uh, be whoa. skilled at making a PowerPoint slideshow set to, like, Bittersweet Symphony or something. So this might be <laughs> right up his but it's, yeah. but it's a MIDI of oh, Bittersweet Symphony? I was made in, like, 1998. It's, yeah, yeah, very much, like, pub level. Yeah. Also, don't don't mm. mock me for giving this assignment. Mock Dan for giving this assignment. I know <laughs> that's who did it. I love the assignment. Talking, talking, talking to Ben. Talking to Ben. Because Ben was like, oh, my, uh, my expertise. I'm like, I didn't give you this job. Yeah. The doctor did. <laughs> it's like, Stanley's like, finally a chance to use my degree. <laughs> All right, so. Fastest uh, temp in Luton. All right. Uh, <laughs> what'd you get? Oh, wait, wait till my goddaughter Donna sees this. All right, no, it's. um. Uh, I rolled a 13 total with a 6 on one. Now, hey. look at you. Look at you talking about yourself so poorly, and <laughs> mm-hmm. then you went ahead and did it. And you realize that what you're essentially doing is playing a game of Minesweeper, and you're trying to avoid <laughs> the mines, which are the most recent memories of this last round of Melissa Phoenix. And you it's do a, it yet another great. instance of a, of a game of Rassilon Companion finding a computer interface that is inexplicably exactly like well, a 20th century Well, it's computer. not exactly like Minesweeper. It's close enough to Minesweeper. You go, oh, I think I understand yeah. this. So you're doing, you're trying to find it's memory. It's a Unix system. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and then, okay, so Doctor, what are you and Carrie doing? You're making a, a dummy of a dead doctor? No, no, just making me up to look as if I am dead. I'm going to lie there on the ground, you know, f- faking okay. my own death. Okay, yeah, you do that. And let's go ahead and have you do, both of you make a, I'm trying to think of, I guess this would be a craft roll, because we don't have a performance roll. Okay, you know what? This does feel like Actually, craft, yeah. uh, Carrie, uh. I'm going to have you make ingenuity and craft. Okay. Doctor, I'm going to have you make presence and subterfuge. Can oh. I also make a pitch? What's your pitch? My pitch is because uh, Carrie has worked on a film set. Would it make sense to give her some kind of buff to her role? Yeah, I'll give you that. I'll see how. I'll, I'll, I, that's, that's a good point, Ben. Thank you, and I will definitely give Carrie a plus two on the roll. Thanks. That makes it a thirteen now with no magic numbers. Thirteen's good. Yeah, I mean, you're basically just trying to make some makeup. That's fine. Uh, Doctor, what did you get? I got a fifteen with both magic numbers. I rolled a one Ooh. and a six. Like I said earlier, it's, it's a good success in the six carry, so it's a yes and. So that's a pretty good um, scenario. So what happens next is the TARDIS is taken out of siege mode. Uh, Stanley, future Melissa, and Carrie slip into the TARDIS, and then it's put back into siege mode and hidden under the body of the Doctor. But before you do that, you hook up the Eye of Infinity. That's what we called it, right? An Eye of Infinity, and you... Sorry, the, Michael? The Immortal Eye. The Immortal Eye. Mm-hmm. Before you do that, you hook up the immortal eye along with the modified bio data into the machine. And it activates, it goes through this cycle. And then we see ourselves in a strange room carved into a geode of diamonds. A woman, River Song, comes stepping out of the vertical chamber. She gasps for air and screams from some phantom pain before feeling her body begin to glow and burn with regeneration energy. We then see the form we know of as as Melissa Phoenix emerge. She looks ahead and finds only some words carved into the wall with a laser, her own name, Melissa Phoenix. She glances to her side and sees a dead body on the floor, a familiar one to her and to us, the body of the doctor. And she says, okay, one more time. And she opens a chamber revealing a escape pod that she has repeatedly reused and reused because it resets every time. And she flees the asteroid as it begins to break apart in the atmosphere. It's definitely a meteor at this point. And once she is gone, we see this siege mode TARDIS pop back up and this brilliantly acted corpse doctor stands up brushes himself off and re-enters the TARDIS which then fle- disappears out of this asteroid as it careens towards the planet 
And what you, what I, what I missed on this, I, I realized a detail that I forgot. The reason why the ast the diamond asteroid is important is that the reason why, so I apologize for not dropping this in earlier, but just so everyone understands what happened here is the energy that was being, the regeneration energy that was being fed into this like new Melissa is the thing that is tying together the biodata with this printing machine and giving it life essentially. And it works because the diamond geodes surrounding this room works as this fantastically massive superconductor that mm. feeds this loop. And so it's actually the, the asteroid itself that births this new life into Melissa. I'm, I apologize for not dropping that in sooner. That's, that's a detail. It's very important. And so this asteroid careening with generation energy continues to glow and burn with a combination of the planet's atmosphere and the generation energy as your TARDIS vanishes from it. And this careens further. And as it flies into this atmosphere, this energy begins to compress this asteroid down and it refines it and refines it and compresses it more until it lands on a developing world as this most perfect, beautiful, flawless diamond. One of the most beautiful diamonds in the entire universe. And it lands on a world known as Halasi, where this diamond will grow to become a sacred artifact of these people. And so River finally understood why she was so drawn to come to the Halasi diamond. And finally, just this once, everyone lives. And then we cut to the inside of the TARDIS. I want, I want to let you have a moment, Dan, because you just saved your wife again. So, and... I, th I think I kind of like do like a half cocky saunter, but like I'm such a dork when I do it. Like it looks so cool in my head and it looks so dorky in practice. And I just saunter over to Melissa. I'm like, so am I now one ahead of you? You, where are we in terms of who saves whose lives? Are we even? I uh, saved your life like a billion times. Are I you mean, kidding yeah, me right now? And <laughs> for those timelines, they don't exist anymore. I mean, where I, are we? But that's. On but it? they only don't exist because I did. Do you know how many times? <laughs>